Well, Becky and I are thrilled to be able to be with you here this morning and want to thank you for your partnership with the EFCA for a long time and as we think today especially about what God's doing around the world. You know, as you look around the world, it doesn't take too long to read the news or to watch some of what's going on and you realize there's a lot of brokenness around us. In fact, when we step back and we say, what kind of hope is there? What kind of good news is there for a broken world? Well, this morning, we're going to take some moments and look into the scriptures to see what what Jesus has to say to us about hope for a broken world. Before we do that, would you pray with me? Lord, what we need today is your spirit to teach us from your word. Because when we look at what's happening around us, certainly there is a deep and very significant need for there to be hope and good news that could be shared with a broken world around us. So, Spirit of God, teach us. May your word come alive to us today, and we see what you're doing around the world through this local fellowship as well. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to take it and turn with me to Luke chapter 4, because we're going to look at a time in Jesus' life where he's just beginning this public ministry after he spent time in the wilderness being tested and tempted by the devil. We find in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 these words, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We're going to stop there for a moment because I want to give you a sense of what's happening in this text. Jesus has come out of that time of testing and temptation in the wilderness, and the, word, and the text here tells us that he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he went from village to village, from community to community, word began to spread about him. He's the one that you wanted to come to your place, to your town, to your village. In fact, he was the, he was the one everyone hoped would come to their community. It tells us that he went to his hometown, his hometown of Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Word about him had been spreading everywhere. Can you imagine what the people in his hometown were wondering as he came home? Who is he? Who is he? What's he doing right now? Have we, what we've heard in other places, is that true? He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and I love what the scriptures say, is that he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus thought it of high value to be with the people of God and to worship on a regular basis. And so as he was there, he participated in the synagogue service that day. Now, that synagogue service was a bit different than what you've experienced this morning, not the level of of music and singing and other things, but let me tell you what a synagogue service was like. 
because they would gather together on the Sabbath day and they would begin the service by together quoting what's called the Shema, which is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And when they finished quoting the Shema together, there would be a time of prayers, a time of some written prayers and some would be some more spontaneous prayer. Then after the prayer time would be a time of a reading of Scripture. And it started with a reading from the Torah, from the first five books of the Old Testament. And then it would be followed by a reading from the prophets. That's where Jesus enters the scene here, where he is asked to be the reader of the prophetic scripture that day. So so the text tells us the scene would go like this. There would be an attendant who would go to a, a, a box probably that was on the wall of the building with doors that would call the Torah ark or the place where the scrolls were kept. And they would take the scroll out. The attendant took the scroll of the prophecy of Isaiah, took it out, brought it to Jesus, laid it on a table. He unrolled the scroll till he got to the place in Isaiah chapter 61 where he read the scripture that I just read for you a moment ago. When he finished reading that scripture, it says he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant. The attendant took it, put it back in the Torah box And then Jesus went to sit down. Now you may be thinking that he went to sit down just like you're sitting down. His time in the service was over. He went back and he sat down. Well, that's not exactly what happened. Because you see, in a synagogue service, the majority of the people stood. It was the preacher who sat down. Jesus was the guest speaker that day. So he came, he sat down in the place of the teacher. Because after the reading of the Torah and the prophets, someone would deliver a sermon that would connect the scriptures together. And as he sat down, I love what the scriptures say. It says, every eye was fastened on him. They were just waiting for what he was going to say. And then he started his message like this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, friends, this was a prophetic messianic scripture. By him saying that, it was like he was saying in his own town, I just want you to know I'm the Messiah, I'm the deliverer. And when I thought about that and that situation there in his hometown, my question is, how did they respond? I mean, after all, he's the hometown guy. They knew his family, they knew, they knew his brothers, his sisters, they knew him, they watched him grow up. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But how did they respond? Come back with me to the text back in verse 22 of chapter 4 of Luke's gospel. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? And Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the times of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. 
And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and he went on his way. Now, whenever I study the scriptures, I ask myself the question, what surprises me in the scripture that I just read? And I have to tell you, as I read that passage, what surprises me is the response of the people. I would have thought their response might have been, so who are you? We, we watched you grow up here, and now you're claiming that this prophetic scripture is fulfilled in you and it starts today? But rather, do you notice how they responded? And by the way, they were doing something I am so happy you're not doing because it would really kind of, it would really bother me. He was preaching and they were talking. They were talking among themselves and, and they were saying, wow, isn't this Joseph's son? His words are amazing. And they seem to be excited about what he was saying. That surprises me. But then he went on in his sermon. And this is one of those spots in the scriptures. I wish I had the DVD of all of Jesus' sermon. To be able to get a sense of everything he said. But he went on in his sermon and then he quoted a proverb, physician, heal yourself. And then he went on and he talked about a prophet having no honor in his hometown. And then he talked about a widow in Zarephath in the time of Elijah and a Syrian army officer with leprosy in the time of Elisha. And suddenly, as you see in the scripture text, the mood of the crowd changed. And almost instantaneously, they went from his words are amazing to rushing the front of the room in anger. It says they were just furious at him. They ran to the front of the room. They grabbed him, dragged him out of the synagogue, dragged him through the streets of the city, dragged him out to the hill on which the city was built. They were going to push him off and eventually stone him to death but I love the way the passage ends. It's one of these great, it could be a great movie scene. This crowd, they're yelling, they're screaming, and suddenly by the power of God, Jesus just stands up. People, people just move away from him. It's like the parting of the Red Sea, and it says, and he just walked away. Now here's my question for you. What changed? Why in one minute did they seem to be so excited about him, and the next minute they wanted to kill him? Why? What you need to see is that when he talked about the widow, when he talked about the army officer with leprosy, he was talking about the hated Gentiles. And not only hated Gentile, the Syrian army officer, that was their enemy. And so now do you mean that you're coming with this good news of deliverance to our enemies and to those far from us and those that we would think would have no place in God's plan. And they were, in, they were just incensed and they wanted to kill him. You see, one of the key par- parts of this passage is that Jesus came as good news, not just for religious people, not just for people that knew of God, but he came for people that were broken. 
And so it leads me to ask the question, as I look at this text, then who did Jesus really come for? I mean, as you think about him being the deliverer, then who did he really come for? And when you come back in the text with me and you look at verses 18 and 19, and he talks about the poor and prisoners and the blind and the oppressed and the year of jubilee, in a sense, the year of the Lord's favor, it shows that he came for people without hope. Because when you look at poor, prisoners, blind, oppressed, these were marginalized people who were longing for a deliverer. And certainly there are people who are spiritually poor and blind and oppressed and imprisoned. But there are people who are poor and blind and oppressed and imprisoned. And he came for those with no hope. You know, as I thought about that and I thought of what God is doing around the world and I've started chatting and interacting with some of our Reach Global staff that serve around the world and some of them have great connections here to your church. I got an, I got an email just a couple of days ago from Katie Dudgeon. Katie serves with our team in Berlin, Germany. And Katie told me a story about a team from EV3 Fullerton that was in Berlin and as a part of the Love Europe, your Love Europe outreach. And in this team in Berlin, the team that was there went to, a, to a, a cafe that was there primarily to minister to women who were prostituted. And the team that was there as women would come into this cafe, the team from EV Free Fullerton prayed for them, interacted with them, and loved them. And Katie wrote and she said, Kevin, you need to know that a week or two ago, one of the women that the team from this church ministered to came back to the cafe, broken. She said, I'm addicted, I have an addiction, I can't kick my addiction, and I found out I'm pregnant. I I can't help myself, and my baby has no hope and no future. And so our Reach Global staff and partners there in Berlin are sharing the hope and the love of Jesus with this woman And one of the key connecting points was a team from this church. I was chatting even this morning with Mel Howell, who is, he and Glenda are part of the congregation here. And Mel had shared with me about some ministry that's going on in Myanmar, in Asia, because Mel is one of our senior leaders in our Asia division for Reach Global. And in Myanmar, there's a group of people that they're working with that are really far from God, very poor. And there's, they've been really wrestling with how do we reach this group of people? And Faith-wise, very far from God, economically very poor, and especially as they think about their children, really, the, in a sense, the, the future for these children is more about the possibility of prostitution and drugs. Well, God's opened the door for us to launch a, a really significant ministry to children, to child sponsorship called Global Fingerprints. At this point, 130 children have been sponsored. Another 100 are waiting to be sponsored. And the opportunity just a couple weeks ago, Mel had to be there with a medical team that were doing medical outreach and medical work among these children and at the same time praying for them, interacting with their family. These families and children that had no hope are being shown hope because you as a church send missionaries around the world. 
You know, when I think of those things that God is about in, in various places, Africa is a place where this congregation has been involved for a long time. Butaka School is a high school in northwest Rwanda, where Evie Free Fullerton's been very involved over time in Rwanda. Well, there's a young woman named Baraka. Baraka is one of the top trauma counselors in all of Rwanda. She's a deeply committed Christ follower. And do you know what she said to one of our staff? She said, I look back at how God shaped my life and some of the most significant input in my life that have led me to do what I'm doing is because of leaders from E.V. Free Fullerton that invested in my life over years. As a church, your heart for the world to touch people without hope. But, but it also goes back, if you come to the text with me again, it's not just people without hope, it's people without an opportunity. Because if you look at the widow and the army officer, who were they? They were a part of this despised group of people. They were a part of the unreached and the unengaged, in a sense. They didn't know about God. And Jesus said, I've come for those who have no opportunity to hear the gospel. As a church, for 25 years, you have been praying for the Tai Lu people. Steve Shickley just connected with me a few days ago and said, you know, there's God's doing incredible things among the Tai Lu people for 25 years, E.V. Free Fullerton folks. Wednesday nights, you meet to pray for this people that had no opportunity to hear the gospel. And today, 10 families are going to be involved in four countries, bringing the word of God, and we're seeing people's lives transformed as a part of your Love Europe outreach, I was in, in dialogue with, with Mark Ravel from, from Budapest in, in Hungary, and he talked about the fact that there was a team from this church that was engaging the refugees that were coming from Afghanistan in the Middle East and North Africa, praying with them, talking with them, beginning to share the love of Christ with them so that they could be followed up by folks there, people without opportunity, till you sent your teams. And I think of Matt Davis, who leads our team in London, talking about one of the Love Europe teams that went to London. Luann was there in a music camp, and she was playing her cello and sharing about her life and her walk with God. And there was this amazing open door among the hearts of children that were there and young people. And conversations have happened over weeks for people in post-Christian Europe that would probably not have an opportunity to hear, but they did. Because Evie Free Fullerton cares about the world. So good news for a broken world. Jesus came not just for us. He came for people without hope, without opportunity for the gospel. And friends, I, I'm here to tell you thank you this morning. Thank you for your connection and your involvement here in, in this part of the country with EFCA West and what you've done in connecting with Josh Buck and the ministry going on in Highland Park right here in LA, but what you've done in your connections to Reach Global and so many other of your international partners. And I would encourage you, keep doing it. Don't stop. Because the opportunities to take this incredible message of the gospel of hope and transformation through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross is what he's given us to bring to a broken world, to people without hope, to people without opportunities. And may God continue to open doors for you to do that. Let me pray for you. Father, I ask now that you would continue to put it on the hearts of people in this congregation to pray, to give, 
to go to be a part of bringing this amazing, life-changing, hope-filled message of the gospel to people without hope and without opportunity around the world. And may you receive great glory and honor and praise because there will be people in heaven because EVP Fullerton folk cared. And I commit them now to you in Jesus' name. Amen.